I have no beans. I have no steam in my engine. Why is your steam engine full of beans? See, that's part of the issue. There's too many beans. Beans aren't flammable. If anything, the the syrupy goo that comes in the can is just put out my fire. My mental fire is out because of beans. You haven't eaten beans in a while. I'm also not a train. I can see how you would come to that conclusion. I will say, um, the big square train in Thomas the Tank Engine was the only other thing I knew named Toby for... Relatable content. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say half of my entire existence. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's the fucking square one. Again, with relatable content, because he's a grumpy fuck too. It's relatable co- content because he looks like a... He looks like a loaf of bread and there's beans in his engine and he's dead. He doesn't even have an engine. He's not a tram. Exactly. He's a cargo pulley. No, no, look. You'll link him up to other ones. No, he's not. You're thinking of a carriage. He's a little square... I, I tried... He's not an engine. I tried to do a little doodle of him in the corner and it looks like a um, it looks like one of the hutches from Chicken Run. Again, with the, he, he doesn't move on his own. Do any of them? How sentient yes, is a Thomas tank does. engine? He's got a little fella living in him. Yes, but Thomas is an engine. Toby is not an engine. Who wins in a fight, Thomas or a Poi Poi Molka? Ooh. In a sentient competition, who is the most alive? <laughs> Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast born of flesh. <laughs> My name is Terry DePola, and this week, um, I've been on the Adult Swim website watching the shit out of Smiley and Friends. Uh, it got me thinking about the other Adult Swim show coming up. Uh, I don't know if it has a real name yet, but it, as far as I can tell from the screen grabs of the script, uh, Vent- The Venture Bros Long Form Special. Mm. Um, both of these things I can't wait to cover on the on the podcast. Um, Smiley and Friends isn't really finished airing yet for us and the Venture Bros movie isn't finished yet either um but we aren't up to that anyway we are up to season four in our overall podcast coverage of the series we take one break um so um yeah that's what we're doing this week joining me in the Venture Compound is our producer Kyle hi how are you I'm trying to work out now whether a metal train or a felt car would be the great. So so great. Doing great. Oh well. I'm, I'm here for this podcast. Yeah. Well, we're doing great. That's what's happening here. So twenty twenty two is not having any effect on us whatsoever. I think we're just sleepy. Um so it's been a while, so definitely go back and listen to our other podcasts about the series. Um, hopefully we can dig up the one that talks about the production and casting. I'm sure it's around somewhere. We'll we'll work that one out. But um, for those saying, fuck off, I'm not going to re-listen to like six, seven podcasts about this. Here's the uh, quick rundown. Um, Jason, uh, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer, they're the show creators and runners, and they had had season three and four greenlit together. So they'd had some ideas going into this one. Uh, they just finished a big season finale at the end of three, in which the boy clones were killed, Brock quit the OSI and left the bodyguard job, and Henchman 24 had been killed. Um, it shows how the show was built. It shows how like well the world building was, that the death of a henchman could make an impact, just in general. Mm. You know that one joke in, I think, Austin Powers, when one of the henchmen dies and they're like... They, like, go and give his flag to his, like, widow and shit. Mm. It's like that, but not a silly one-off joke. It's, like, actually built in. Mm. Yeah. Um, yep, so in my head up to this point, you have season one, uh, which is just a simple parody, and then season two started to get a little bit bored with that and starts to put put down some roots, so to speak. Then season three was the big changes, while this season would be the uh, emotional development phase. Yes. Which is why it's 
Which is why my notes have blown past the limit of being just a two-parter. Um, what do you think overall about where we are in the run? We're at about the halfway mark. It's definitely not what it started as, and it ain't all the way to where it's going either. Yeah, I feel like these like three and four Mm. are probably more important than one and two. Oh, I think so too. Because it's a completely different show. Because like, yeah, it it really is like like you have sure you have to watch one and two to get there, Mm. but. Like, but because start taking notes. Because <laughs> everything is building off what happened prior. Yeah. We're at the point now where it's got a lot to build off, and it effectively does. I'd say this is one of the best... I'm not, it's not technically a cinematic universe, but as far as world building goes, this is one of the densest but still well-written ones. Mm. There's not a lot of, like, inconsistencies or fucking, like, weird things. And I think it's... Because it's still the same creators in charge the whole time. Because South Park has gone through a lot of errors, but it's still, it's, it's, it still fits itself. Yeah. In, I guess, in a way. Whereas you have, like, Star Wars. Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, Simpsons rifles through a shitload of people, too. But they're, um, they sort of get away with it more because they're too far the other way. Mm-hmm. Whereas a dude will write an episode and someone else will write the following episode. Whereas because it's perpetually a little bit of a mess, there's less of a consistency to it, I think. You have showrunners, but they're not the guy writing yeah, but it. Whereas these guys are writing you, everything. But that's the thing. When you think of Simpsons, you think it should be, like, follow a basic story. Mm. And it doesn't. Whereas this is the same way, but it's not... Like, I don't think at this stage you realise how much is actually connected to the overall story. I just I just think it's really well done because it's based off of, like, comic book universes. But comic book universes are a fucking mess and they get retconned and rebooted and New 52'd constantly. So it does a better job <laughs> than it, what came before it. It's almost a fan fiction of all of Of itself. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, the previous season ended with the big, like, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've hopefully listened to the other one, but, um, yeah, this begins in the immediate moments of the previous season, so we'll start there first, but let me say this, the first episode coming back is set up in a really strange way. Mm. I enjoy watching it. Like, the way it runs flashbacks and flash-forwards concurrently, it's it's well-built, and it really forces you to pay attention, which at this point you're going to have to start to do anyway because every detail is going to call back in a big way. I'm going to put it in a way that you won't understand, mm. but other people might. Yeah. It is very much like the first couple of episodes of season one of The Witcher. Mm. It's not until, like... Because I know you haven't watched that. Yeah. It's not until, like, episode three things start to happen and you're like, hang on a second, why is that character alive? I've watched them die. And you start, like, piecing together that everything that you've seen up until that point Mm. is happening. Like, that's 15 years in the future. That's 10 years in the past. Yeah. Like, things are happening, but it's done so well that you don't realize until you get to that point. Yeah, this, this episode does that confined into a single season premiere. Yeah. Um, but for the sake of the podcast, I've done my best to untangle the episode and try to set it in chronological order best I can. Um, because, you know, as I mentioned before we recorded, because Venture Bros is so in-depth with every detail it does, it doesn't just have an A plot and a B plot. It usually has a C, a D, sometimes an E Usually the after credit sequence on its own is its fucking is its own beast too. So I've tried to put everything together roughly in order. Yeah. I'm pro- I might be off by a scene or two, but you know. Ho- okay, so if you hopefully recall from last season, Brock quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um he's gonna he was going to leave in the Monarch Mobile. Okay. Remember how he show- Monarch shows up in that stupid like 
parody of over-the-top action figure armor sets. Yeah. And he can't move. And Brock says, I quit. And he says, Monarch, I'm taking your fucking car. Mm. And then the car explodes with 24 still inside it. Yeah. Um, those were the final moments of the previous season and the beginnings of this one. Some footage is even used here too, um, until it switches to Brock's POV after the explosion. Yeah. Uh, these are flashes of OSI pulling him away from the fire. Uh, it fades in and out. We see emergency surgery. He blacks out again. Um, when Brock wakes up again, he starts to sneak around to see what the OSI has planned for him, you know, because he literally just quit and they've done something inside his body. <laughs> Kidnapped him. Yeah, more or less. Um, he overhears doctors talking about lobotomies and mind mapping. Assuming they are going to make him forget he was quitting, he escapes the medical wing. Yeah. It is then revealed that they are talking about Sergeant Hatred, who um, they're trying to remove his... Um, it's not, it's not like I can get demonetized, so they're trying to remove his um, pedophilic tastes. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's not great. No, but, um, yeah, they give him, like, a serum to, um, like, nicotine, but for young boys. Because he's sort of turned on the guild and he's, um, joining the OSI. So they're like, well, that's an obvious problem we've got to put a pin into. Yeah. Got to deal with that. You can't be a good boy that likes little boys. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to him and his first mission as a recruit later, but um, let's finish following Brock for a bit um, because he's still on this... Uh, it's the S.H.I.E.L.D. Hallicarrier. Yeah. Again, I'd like to preference Venture Bros came before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, if only just. Um, roughly concurrent. But I like that it was doing the comic book stuff long before movies were normalizing it. Like, they did Dr. Orpheus, like, what, a decade before Dr. Strange? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've got the helicarrier up. He thinks guards are shooting at him as he comes out of the medical wing, um, but they're trying to catch an invisible escapee, and that's why Brock can't see him. Because mm. it shows them shooting him with a paintball gun, which is a cool animation, like the way it wraps around him and he still moves. It's cool. Um, yeah, but, yeah, Brock hides, grabs the doctor, or grabs a doctor to ask what happened, and it's revealed his heart was too damaged by the explosion, so they replaced it with things that they had lying around at the, um, at the event. Kaya, do you remember a gadget used in the first episode that could replace human organs in a pinch? Of course I do. Who was working as Doc's kidneys in Mexico? He's one of your favourites. He is blue and he beeps a lot. Helper. Yes. So, um, Brock's horrible swollen and bloody chest it has Helper's face sticking out of it like an arc reactor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that uh, revelation, he escapes the helicarrier on an OSI soldier's jetpack, who I will like to mention makes a Wilhelm scream as he falls. Ah. It's always important to keep track of those. Um, so let me go back to Sergeant Hatred real quick. The first idea that Doc Hammer and uh, Jackson Public had was to replace Brock with Henchman 21. Yeah. How do you feel about that? If it, like, in that timeline, what do you think? Do you think he would have worked? You know, no, Gary. Not really. No? How come? I just, I, no. Is it because he's still trying to find himself at this point? Kind of, but he just doesn't suit. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, well, the trouble with that idea was that they wanted to rebuild him as a strong and capable character at this point. Yeah. Because he's doing his crusade for 24. But being the nanny of um, dumb children is a very emasculating job. Yeah. Which is kind of the joke originally that Brock was doing it in the first place because he's like Hercules. Yeah. You know. Um, so they gave it to Hatred and sits instead. That's why he's the bodyguard after this point on. Um, so... I don't think I like Hatred. He, he definitely suited being emasculated better than, uh, 21 did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for now he's with OSI getting prepped for the operation, so we're going to 
cut back to the venture compound. Do you want to talk about hatred now? I mean, this is... It's not his introduction. He's been a, a villain in the series up until this point. Yeah. I think... um. We spoke a lot about characters in that in season three. Yeah. As they were, like, building the world. Yeah, as they're introducing. Um, I think he's all right. He's, he's, like, he's in a weird limbo because they built him to be a, a villainous, war-hungry pedophile. Yeah. But the fact that he is the one that gets thrown to be put in charge of the the boys is kind of I don't of know, I just, I don't like the character. Mm. And, like, like his, the further it gets into it, the more annoying he becomes. I feel like And I know that's the character. I, th- I feel like it's the Lisa rule. Because, yeah. like, a lot of, a lot of, like, you know, boys when I was a kid didn't like Lisa because she's the boring, serious one. He's sort of the opposite. He's kind of, like, more goofy. And yeah. people miss Brock. But, yeah, you need... You need a square to bounce your weird things off of. Yeah. I don't know. You I just a... feel like he's always, like, whinging and crying. and Yeah, he is. Like, I'm just... We have that enough with the boys. Mm. So when you get all three of them together, it's like, oh, there's just too much in one place. Mm. That's my problem. I'm trying to think, like, he doesn't really improve. No, he gets worse. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have, is, like, by the point that, like, the series is up to now. What are we? Season seven? Yeah. He's annoying as shit. Like, I can't deal with him. And because I'm so annoyed by season seven hatred... Mm. With the I, man I've just I've just wiped everything out. I'm like mm. I don't I don't want to deal with you. But I am very like I'm that way with characters. Mm. When we were watching Daredevil, as soon as it was like the I hate Karen, every time she was on screen, I was like, no. Oh yeah, you were furious at Karen every time. Apparently, she's really good in Punisher. But I feel like your bridge is already burnt there. Is it not? I don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> Something. To- I like the actress, because mm. I like her in other stuff. Oh, okay. I don't like her face as Karen. <laughs> and that sounds really stupid, but it's just the way my brain works. There's another person. Oh, John Cena in Peacemaker. I, can, mm. I, I can't watch that show, because I hate him so much. <laughs> oh. it's, it's just, I have very strong feelings. I don't know. I feel bad for hatred. I'm either because all in he's, or I'm all out. Yeah. Well, I, he's definitely, like, one of the lower tier, but, like, every character is awesome to me in this show. Like, I like aspects of all of them. Yeah. And he's on the, he's at the lower end of the list, but he, he does try. And I, I appreciate that, I guess. I can't think of anyone who would have been a better bodyguard in this situation. Anyone else? Problem is, no one else would really suit it. Anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we're we're back at the Venture Compound and we have a a small character return here. Uh, We've got um, Mr. Doe and Mr. Cardholder. Do you remember these guys? Nope. They're the men in black ones, you know, fedora, sunglasses. They talk very, like, old-timey radio style. Yes. They're named after the fake names on credit cards. Um, yeah, they're temporarily watch, watching the Venture Boys, you know, Hank and Dean, while OSI finishes shipping out of the compound from the, from the finale of last season. Um, while their Brock sneaks in and knocks the, the duo out before talking to Dean, handing him his communicator watch, and kind of giving like a short goodbye before he skedaddles. Um, he leaves in search of a particular surgeon. Do you remember the one who made Hunter Gathers a woman? Voiced by Brendan Small. Yep. Um, first appeared in season two, episode three, but they don't give him a name until season six. Uh, spoilers, it's Dr. Volcano. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'd just finished a weird secret job for Nazis, which we will see pop up later, but before. Because the episode's written weird. <laughs> um, yeah, um, he Brock gets to him and wants help her out of his chest, obviously. Without any, like, spies or hijinks getting involved, because this dude's kind of like a middleman, so to speak. He's Switzerland. Yeah. 
I mean, he was just doing a job for Nazis a second ago. You, you, you get the gist of it. I do like that that just keeps popping up in the podcast this year. What's that, Nazis? Barbed wire. Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Lots this of Switzerland. Doctor. Switzerland. <laughs> Nazis. All the time. Um, Alright, so this operation and recovery goes for I don't know how long. So I'm going to assume we can jump across to the B-plot of the episode. Um, this section is tracked by a CGC rating. Do you know what that is? The Comics Code of Authority? It's definitely not what it stands for, but it's, you know, the grading system. Yeah. All right, this moment is labelled, like, in the corner at the start of these scenes, it pops up with, like, a number and a worth. Mm. Um, and because I'm going backwards through the episode, I'm starting when it is a 9.6. Obviously, you know, that's like very high. Mm. Uh, fun fact, most books that come straight out of the factory don't hit a, you know, a perfect school. Very picky. Uh, Henchman 21 wants Dr. Venture to clone him a new Henchman 24. Um, obviously, the reveal that he had cloning technology is out in the open. Yeah. Um, and, Lots of boys. And, he's, and 21's willing to raise 24 as his own. Given the fact that all the pre-grown Hanks and Deans are all dead, so there's no, like, you'd have to start from scratch. Um, the half a million dollars in payment, uh, 21 obviously doesn't have that, but he does have a priceless family heirloom. Marvel Comics issue one. Uh, the 1939 issue and first appearance of the Human Torch and Submariner. He's got that. Nice. Um... In a cool detail, we see the scenes, like, well, we've got the scenes that are labelled with the comic book's grade and worth throughout the episode. Um, the Brock segments are all labelled to match the stories inside the issue. Hmm. So all of his moments correspond roughly with a title of the, the little chapters in that book. Yeah. Um, but um, but at, at any rate, uh, Doc Venture, who you've met... <laughs> He doesn't really get it. He's like, this is a, this is a fucking... Just a it's, it's a magazine, yeah. Crap. Yeah, the, the comic... He, he's like, it literally says it's worth 10 cents on the cover. You can't fool me. <laughs> um, yeah, he doesn't think it could be worth 500. It's, 500. Like trying to, it's like trying to explain comics to my grandparents. Yeah, yeah, he, he can't fathom it being worth $500,000. Currently, by the way, it is it has a going price of about eighty. Um, you know, 80, 870,000 mm. American. Mm. So probably like over a million dollars for us. Yeah. Because we have bad economies. Um, anyway, Doc is told to keep it safe while he researches its worth and 21 leaves. Um, Hank comes in with a parcel he got at the door, inside of which is Helper's head, um, which is still, I'm not going to say alive, but it's still like turned on. It's running. Um, he's wrapped up in Brock's denim jacket. And Hank keeps the jacket, and you see him wearing it pretty much the rest of this season. Yeah. Um, and the doc tosses him the comic like it's nothing. He's like, do you, like, do you want this? I'm just going to throw it out anyway. Um, and we watch Hank tear it out of it out of the little plastic seal and start roughly thumbing through it, complaining that there's no Batman in it, and we watch the little grading in the corner tick down. Yeah. Again, like trying to explain superheroes to my grandparents. Hmm. They're pretty sure that the Hulk and Batman are the same dude. Yeah. Um, so by the time it hits a CGC of 5.0, mm-hmm. uh, the Nazis show up. The ones from earlier. Uh, the word is out that Doc had illegal cloning tech. Um, I like the detail that Doc takes a while to even notice they're Nazis. Like, yeah. it is clear cartoon stereotype, heavy German accent. They sound like the Doctor from Animaniacs and shit. You know, the big coat. Everything. It's it's all there except for the except for the SWAT sticker. It's there. And he's like, wait a second, you guys are Nazis. <laughs> but it's like mid conversation. Yeah. Um Yep, so they've been transferring Hitler's DNA um into dog after dog to keep it handy. As and they would. want Doc to clone a fresh one. Like a human one. Yeah. Um he says that's dumb and <laughs> they not even that he won't do it. He's like, ugh, Nazis always just want to clone Hitler. He's so fucking boring. Oh my god. So predictable. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, he tells them they're dumb and they leave him with the dog saying it better be a man when they get back or else. Yeah. Um, I don't think they know how dogs work. Yeah. Dean is immediately excited that they have a new doggy. Yep. Um, and the doc scoops up a dog turd with the Marvel comic. Well. Um, it's not shown, but between scenes here, Sergeant Hatred is put in the role of the bodyguard, like we already discussed. Um, the comic is now a... Well, it's got dog shit on it, so it is now a 2.0. It's like that scene in... Is it Elvira? Hmm? That ripped the comic in half because it was just the one that was on the stands at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the first appearance of a symbiote, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, Dean spends over an hour trying to rebuild a pistol, like, because, um, Hatred's trying to get them competent, because he's, he's very protective of them. I'll give him that, like, he takes the role very seriously, maybe too seriously. And Hank is refusing to wear the, um, the, the Venture Blue speed suits. Um, he hates Sergeant Hatred, he's got the very, you aren't my real dad, but for bodyguards. Yeah. He's like, you're not my Brock, kind of. Um... While Hatred tries to win over Hank by letting him shoot him, we then see that Doctor... I mean, sorry, Do- yeah, Doctor Venture has tried to fix Halper. Yeah. By putting his head on that wandering... the wandering spider thing. Yeah. No. Um, I, I preference that with, I don't mind it, I'm just arachnophobic, yeah. so I don't like anything that's spider-shaped. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly how the two storylines line up here, so I'm going to... What what do you want me to go? You want me to jump to Brock or continue here with the Venture Compound stuff? Because I could go either way. Stay in the Compound. Alright, so Team Venture this section. Marvel issue one is down to one point five. Henchman twenty one is pretty pissed about this, and Doc is sort of fumbling. You know, he's like, "Man, I can't do it though." As I know about the cloning tech, and you know, he's he's in trouble. He's if he gets caught using it again, he's definitely fucked. Twenty one is kind of sick of waiting and goes to Doctor Orpheus instead. Um, Orpheus might be a Doctor Strange necromancer, but he, um, won't or can't do it either. Yeah. Um, he's distracted, though, when he can sense the dog on the compound that has the soul of Hitler in it. He's like, wait a second. Um, him and Sergeant Hatred are talking about having to kill the dog, uh, which results in Dean crying and saying that he loves Hitler and Hitler loves him. Um... So that, that goes on for a little while. The dog bites the comic, and it gets to a 1.0. Nice. Um, we're going to cut to Brock here. So Brock has been hiding out and recovering as you, from his... Now he's got a metal plate. Well, yeah. I just don't think he has a heart at all. Um, he's been in a log cabin with... Do you remember how he was friends with the $6 million man and his Sasquatch lover? Of course I do. Yep. So, um, yeah, he's been hanging out with those guys. Uh, Brock has a beard and has gotten a bit chonky. Um, he's recovered enough, though, and wants revenge on the Black Hearts. Do you remember that group? Aren't they the island? Oh, no, that's... Um, Molotov and Hunters. Molotov and her ladies. Yeah, they've got a little assassination group. It's, it's the Black Widows, but not. Remember the, the twist at the end of Season 3 was that they were sending the assassins after Brock so he would kill their competition? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're the... So, so Brock is infiltrating their HQ looking for revenge. Um, crawling in the vents, he bumps into someone else, a member of Sphinx. Um, these folk uh, are gone... Uh, they'll go into more detail later, so I'll leave it from now, but... I like Sphinx. They're, they're like... They're the Cobra Command from G.I. Joe. Yeah. For the most part, there. Um, which makes sense, given how OSI are half-shield, half-G.I. Joe... Um, the two of them fight in the vent a little bit, but it collapses. Hunter and Cocktease are there, and Cocktease shoots Brock. Rude. Yep, and he falls out a window and gets captured by the other Sphinx members. Um, yeah. Shore leave, and... Sky Pilot? I can't think of what he changes his name to. But his body, yeah, you know the one. Yeah. Um. I'm just showing off. Yeah. So, so Brock wakes up in Sphinx HQ. Steel plate on his new fat chest. Um, the Sphinx members leave him to talk with the person on the chair behind him. It's assumed Hunter was captured as well, but, you know, they talk a little bit. And no. Brock is mad about the assassins that Hunter sent after him. Hunter claims that, like, he knew Brock could handle them easily. 
He just needed to shake off the rust from working under Rusty. Yeah. Um, now, now that he's out of the OSI, he's free, and he can put all that bodyguarding bullshit behind him, and he should be grateful. Brock realizes that Hunter becoming a woman was a scheme. He sent the assassins Brock could destroy to win over the Blackhearts. He is still a spy, and he is the leader of Sphinx. Yeah. Um, it's not said in this episode, but as the season plays out, you don't really see much Brock for a good while here. Yeah. They take a break on his whole arc. But Sphinx was the Cobra Command, and it sort of got laid to waste, and then pretty much becomes a front. Yeah. So it's all like disgraced OSI agents pretending to be villains to get to villains. Yeah, they're still doing their jobs. They're just doing it through the back door. Hmm. Like um, like Brian in Fast and Furious 1. Yeah. Right. A little or two. A little, little bit in two. Definitely not in three. Well, it gets real vague after that. <laughs> um, but the final bit, the final scene of the episode, um, by which I mean like the second scene, if you watch the in the order in the show... Um, ties things all back together. So, like, it was set up to be a really confusing entrance to the season. Yeah. So, we're at the compound. The CGC rating is a zero. Uh, the Nazis kidnap Doc for not making a Hitler, and the boys are with Sergeant Hatred to save him. The dog escapes, and I'm going to jump to the after credit sequence, and I'm going to follow the dog here. Um, the Nazis get electrified by the clone goo and a power fault. Um, the dog finds Hank and goes to attack him, but the um, the Hitler dog is caught out of the air by Brock. Yeah. And he kills it to, re- and it, it's like a little evil Hitler soul like releases out of it. It's really weird. But um, Brock is a Sphinx member now, and he tells Hank that he isn't gone forever and he will always be close by. Um, which gets revealed to be very factual later. Yeah. Because Rusty rented out a um storage warehouse in the back of the compound to sphinx like decades ago and forgot so they're literally still on the compound that makes sense he's got orpheus renting out an area i feel like there's another one the 60s one where all the people live in the bubble Hmm. and then he goes in there and they try and kill him what the basement because gorillas no that's the one where the monkey took over the enclosure the greenhouse Hmm. one yeah, so there's so much packed into that episode, and fucking, I've chewed up most of the podcasts already. Um, what do you think about it as a as an entrance point? Definitely, it's very venture bros, but it's also getting close to that. We need movies tie-ins just to just to explain things that we're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, it gets pretty. The show is often like a big crazy event. You know, to start it, then you got like little adventures that slowly build, and then you got the big finale that it it, it has a good wave system. I feel. Yeah. Um. So episode. Um. It's very it's very comic booky. Hmm. You got the little single issues, and then it leads to that big it's, shitty event that always sucks and ruins the momentum of the actual book, and they need to stop doing them. I know they think it sells well, but it usually just pisses people off. Well then. <laughs> That and it's the whole hey buy us next month. Yeah. Come come back. But you know you go with the Twilight Zone method of if it's really good and contained, people will want to see the next really good and contained one. It's Moon Knight. Mm. Fuck off. Fuck off with your fear state and your future state that I feel like we're at the same time. They were so close together. Yeah. Gothtopia. What the fuck? Um. So season four, episode two, handsome ransom. How do you feel about this one? This is the Captain Star, uh, this Captain Sunshine episode. Yes. You just don't like any of the powerful characters. Wow. <laughs> Which is so weird. Strange <laughs> that that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I feel. I feel this one, like. This one. I feel like you're not on board with my my the, opinions. I feel like there's dumb little justifications, and I can chalk a lot of it up to it's a cartoon. Doesn't matter. But um, this one's based off of a very particular point in history. Mm. 
So this one makes a bit more sense than the hatred stuff. But we'll get into it. Do you remember at the at the tail end of season one or roughly right at the start of season two? Somewhere between like the finale and the intro. Um, when Monarch was in jail and he had a to-do list for his henchmen while he was in there. Nope. Um, one of the... One step in that list was to mail the charred remains of Wonder Boy to Captain Sunshine. That was a joke, and in typical Venture fashion, it's time to bring it back around and yeah. actually introduce the character. This episode begins with Monarch and Dr. Misses the Monarch. Fucking Great horrible name, name. goddammit. So <laughs> there's, no, there's no way to simple fight, because if I call her the Monarch, she's her husband now. Mrs. the Monarch is my mother. God damn it. Yep, so this episode opens with them already having kidnapped Hank and Dean. And um, they're negotiating a 10 million ransom. Uh, we had Hank's redesign in the previous episode, but now, you know, he's got the longer hair and he's wearing the denim jacket. Um, but as for Dean, he's pretty much the same, but he's got a little bit of a... He's growing up. He's getting a little, little teenager shadow. mustache happening. In this scene, we also see Henchman 21 is ripped now. Anyway, after the video call, in which it's mostly just Doc not wanting to pay that much money for his kids, and instead of negotiating the price, he's like, how about you keep Hank? <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, as someone... And he's like, well, man, you can't do that to your kid. And he's like, are you kidding me? He called me a honky this morning. And one kind of, like, giggles and looks at me and goes, did you? And he's like, yeah. And that's the thing. As someone that spends a lot of time with teenagers, I can see a parent being like, you could keep that one. Mm. Like, Especially I'm not gonna Rusty s- Venture, like one I'm of the worst dads ever. I'm not going to sell it to you, but mm. if you happen to take it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, after they have their little video call, uh, the cocoon is attacked by a one Captain Sancho. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about his design? He's very muscular. <laughs> after doing our Power Ranger episode and stumbling on like the uh, the Super Sentai version of the legendary battle, yeah, he looks like the big one. Yeah, do you remember that rainbow ass dude with the big hat? Yeah, he's that without a cowboy hat. <laughs> um, yep. So he's a Superman Batman hybrid. Yep. Yeah, you know, solar powered, but but Kevin fucking Conroy. <laughs> Um, if you're gonna have a superhero, if you're gonna, it's gonna be Kevin if Conroy. you're gonna reference Batman, you gotta use the definitive Batman, and that's part of my argument a little bit. You know, like they're doing the joke, you know, like the the pedophile joke about Batman and Robin. Yeah, but the fact that they've gone out of their way to get Kevin Conroy shows that, like. They're roasting, but it comes from the heart a little bit. Yeah. I had this... Uh, we, I mentioned this in, I think, season one when I was talking about how they've done evil or, well, shitty Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. but it's genuinely based on what a turd burglar Reed Richards actually is in the comics. You know, like, it, they're clearly just as geeky as the people watching it. Oh. You know? It's very similar to the argument of... Um, people trying to exclude Adam West as a Batman because he's so camp and mm. it's so gay and it's so... Yeah. He's still Batman. It's still part of the character. Like, whether it's your Batman or not, that's not the argument. Mm. That's how I feel about, like, the whole Batman's a pedophile because he hangs out with young boys. Well, it's... It's that typical Frederick Wortham bullshit. Mm. That whole comics make kids, like, evil Video and homosexual. Video games make you violent. It's that shitty argument, but from the, the times before the comic, I mean, before the video games when you could blame comics. Yeah. Um, yeah, it fits well into this universe, though, where everything's oh, kind of superhero, but, like, super grim and fucked up every time. Yeah, it's already set up that it works within the universe. Yeah. Um... Yeah, everything is so deep cut throughout this dense and rich little universe that I can forgive the sh- like the typical of oh, Batman kisses Robin when no one's around joke. Aunt Harriet's there. She wouldn't allow that. God damn it, he's a surrogate father. He misses his family. If he wants pussy, 
just hang around. He'll inevitably find Zatanna or Catwoman or Wonder Woman or Vicky Vale or Chase Meridian. Um, he could have oh, most women that turns into a bush. Batman the animated series. He likes the, the Starlight Lady. And then the one who's on a, a plant all along. And it turns out that she's a plant. You talked about a Poison Ivy episode, but I can't think of its fucking name. I know, but You're she hurting. has a name because they went You're to You're hassling my credentials, but yeah, they were cute. Um, I'm just I'm just naming other people he tries to sleep with. I'm just pointing out psychologically Bruce Wayne misses his family. Oh. He has access to vagina. Tali. Yeah, she's getting it. <laughs> They're all getting it. There's proof that she's getting it. Fucking dame. <laughs> it's okay, because none of the writers know who he is. Screw him. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking funny, man. <laughs> uh, for all those playing at home, the guy writing the current Robin miniseries um, keeps accidentally drawing Tim Drake Robin <laughs> because the script says Robin does a thing and his brain goes to goes to Tim Drake, the Robin. <laughs> Not Tim Drake. The definitive Drake, Robin. Current Robin. <laughs> but that is fucking funny. Um, that's my favorite thing. Even the writers don't like him. Yeah. Get out of here, Damien. So, nevertheless, um, Captain Sunshine uses Sunbeam powers on Monarch and saves Hank. Just Hank. Leaves Dean behind. Uh, It's shown that he's recruiting Hank to replace um, the Wonder Boy that Monarch Jason todded. Um, I love that apparently Monarch is a very capable threat. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Look, he dicks, he dicks around with Doc Venture constantly, but he, like, successfully killed a Robin at one point. That's the we, Joker level. We can't always be functioning at 100%. Monarch is suffering from some burnout. He just needs to pull it down a little Do you think it's the pedestal? Like, he's been up against Venture for so long that it's, like, messing with his head. Maybe he can't achieve it. No, but I, with that other guy, it doesn't matter. Like, just rip it well, up. Well, we do see that, like, come back in later seasons. I think he it's the other way. Is it? Is he it, likes Venture because it's like a time off. He's like Venture <laughs> is so stupid. I can just like maybe it's the um it. maybe it's the fucking Roadrunner Coyote thing. Like when he captures him, he's like, if I eat, if I kill this guy, my life is over. So I, I need that continuing goal and lets him go that one episode. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a, there's a few ways it could happen. Yeah. Um, I also like the memorial statue for um. Wonder Boy the Third, which is set in bronze at the front of his secret identity, his house. It's fine. It's just very subtle yeah. to have it on the doorstep of his home. Look, it's like <laughs> it's like in Miles Morales Spider-Man game. The um, what is it? A Schwama owner that's a giant metal statue because it's meant to be Stanley. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the diner. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, and um, we. I also like his little Justice League. Um, we have Captain Sunshine, obviously. We have the Brown Thrasher, mm-hmm. who is a Hawkman, but specifically a type of bird that eats Monarch butterflies. Cute detail. Um, we have Ghost Robot. I, I like him. He's he got a condom head. He, yeah, I was gonna say he got a little bit of condom head. Um, who else have you got there, Kai? You got Barbie Q. Yeah. Who is a mix between the original Human Torch, who was an android, and a girl, <laughs> more or less. And you have US Steel, who was going to be called Uncle Slam as a joke, but then they it turned out Uncle Slam's a character in a pre-existing comic book, and they were like, that sucks, now we can't use it for parody reasons. <laughs> So here's US Steel now. How do you feel about this league? They shit. Yeah, it's charming though. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Look, I just like Ghost Robot. (laughs) I'm just happy hanging out with um, this weird, chunky version of the Vision. Uh, It is the Vision. Well, yeah, he's a sentient soul living in a robot. He's Vision. Okay. It just looks like original Iron Man. But he the Mark One suit. But he couldn't find a helmet, so he just put a condom on. I'm glad it looks like a condom, because you could have accidentally made that very clanny. Looking at the concept art here. Nah, it's a condom. I know, yeah, it's it's, it's got like the it's not, got, it's the got the head. head. Yeah, it's got the reservoir tip and stuff. It's, 
Have you but ever seen? I'm just, okay. I'm just saying, thank know. God it didn't look more roby, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if this is a my childhood thing or an everyone's childhood thing. Did people at your school ever put condoms over their faces and then blow them up? With their nose? Yeah. Yeah, I knew people who could do that. Okay, like that. Yeah. But over the entire head. So, um, these guys all work together as a news team. Um, and while that's, while he's doing his civilian stuff at, at the news, um, we've got, uh, Monarch, who still has Dean and is trying to make a play for that 10 million ransom money. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well he only has half of the boys. Yeah. Well, the, technically, he We'll get to it. Um, we see the $10 million comes from conjectural technologies. Who fuck it? Now that I'm, like, halfway through the season working on my notes, you don't see much of them yet. No. Um... You remember uh, White and, and Billy Quizboy, though, correct? Yes. So they didn't. They're insur- pretty big players. Yeah, uh, they did an insurance scam, so now they're loaded. Um, yeah, they bring the money with an ambush plan for the monarch. Um, but when he shows up, the the ambush doesn't really work out. Um, monarch kicks Doc in the balls and runs off with the cash I mean, without returning a kid. He is a villain. Yep. Um, but here's the thing. The Guild of Calamitous Intent, one of my favourite concepts throughout the Venture Bros series, finally pops up on my fourth page of notes. Because Monarch has received payment, he is obligated to retrieve the product being sold. The product being Hank, the missing boy. Um, So, (laughs) you've got... um, (laughs) This was part of the reason they wanted Sergeant Hatred to be the bodyguard. Because yeah. he's willing to do dumber shit than Brock would have ever tolerated. Oh, yeah. So he's been shrunk down, and he's dressed like money, and he's in the duffel bag of cash to, to you know, infiltrate. Um, So now both parties know that Hank's missing, mm-hmm. and they're both hunting for Hank, both mostly for the money rights. Yeah. Because um, if they get him safe and sound before Monarch, he has to return the cash. And um, if Monarch gets him, he has to give the cash. Yeah. Yeah. As, as the good guys and bad money. guys move in on Captain Sunshine's mansion, he's away doing his news show. Um, him, him seeing the Monarch's cocoon, like in the breaking news footage hovering over his house, and knowing um, Hank is in there is pretty funny. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have the subtlety of a Bruce Wayne. He has, like, a full fucking panic attack. It's really good. Um, yeah, Hank suits up as Boy Wonder and tries to attack Monarch and kind of fumbles his way into the bedroom uh, where Monarch goes down the trapdoor that suits you up. You know, like like the fire pole yeah. in the Adam West Batman, like you mentioned. Um <laughs> So, yeah, he goes down the trap door. It puts him in the Wonder Boy costume. And that's at the, around the same time Captain Sunshine gets to his uh, Batcave equivalent. Uh, Monarch gets right to it. I love how competent he is against... Anyone else. Against Captain Sunshine especially, because like, he's already killed one. And he gets straight into it, man. He's monologuing about Captain Sunshine and his horrible pedophile secret. And he's like, wouldn't it just solve everything? Because he's in the Wonder Boy costume, he's pretending Hank's already dead. Yeah. And he's like, wouldn't it be so perfect for you if you could just fuck both of us at the same time? And, <laughs> like, and Captain Sunshine's kind of like backpedaling, being like, oh, it's disgusting. And he's powered down because it's dark. And yeah. he's solar powered. And the, the quote of Monarch, like, following him, being like, where do you want my pussy? Where do you want my pussy, Sunshine? And he's just, like, almost crying. <laughs> he's having the worst day. Um, yeah, it's very good. So Monarch then tries to overdose him with a sun cannon, but because he's a dumbass, and it just powers him up way more. Yeah. And uh, so, so Monarch and his henchmen run away before Hank kind of dumps him and goes home with his real dad. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the episode? Again, I like, I like the it's single fine. episode like hijinks because we've earned Captain Sunshine from like previous jokes, but then it's like. On its own, a single episode, like, dumb adventure. Yeah, considering, like, That's how f- big some of the episodes get, it's nice to have, like, a dumb one. Mm. And they're still just as well written and usually build up to other stuff later as well. Yeah. So it all kind of works out. Um, 
So episode 42 in the series is Perchance to Dean. It's um the prog rock one. Um, yeah, it's a good snowballing episode because it you know goes from Dean worrying about hair loss to a police raid on the compound, mistaking it for a cult while it's on fire, and Hank escaping to Mexico. <laughs> as, as you can see, a good snowball effect. Um, the cold open begins with a flashback to Brock being shown around the compound um, for his first time by the doc. Yeah. Like, way back in the day. When he gets his job. Yeah. And they're in the cloning lab, and we see Doc, quote-unquote, abort a uh, malformed Dean, codenamed D19. He's just not cloning properly. He's a bit bit peanut-shaped. Yeah. Uh, Before we see that he has survived in a Hugo Simpson-style reveal, we go back to the real Dean in the present, who is worried about losing hair and turning into his father. Which, you know, is concerning. He's not really the greatest no um yeah i don't know how much of it we've seen yet but over the whole show we know dean doesn't want to be like his dad just in general and his dad however wants him to be just like him he thinks he's a good role model um well that's because like doc venture thinks he's like his dad no, it's it's a weird vicious cycle because he didn't want to be like his dad and he hates his dad just as like it's the exact same thing rolling around but that's the thing, he's, he's trying to create that for his own son. Mm. Because he feels that's how it has to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when he learns of the hair loss, he converts the panic room into a little science lab and introduces Dean to progressive rock, which inspired him back when he was younger. I mean... That leads to a couple of weird and interesting psychedelic sequences, which look very, like, otherworldly compared to the rest of the show. Um, until more or less Dean overdoses on prog rock and they have to chuck him in an ice bath real quick. It shows what a delicate flower he is. Like, he's bleeding from the nose and ears from listening to, um, music. Yeah. Um, yeah, well in, well in the ice bath, he's struck with inspiration to science himself some hair regrowth. I mean, So that's can. his plan. Meanwhile, we have, uh, the B and C and D plots. Uh, quick rundown we have hank starting to hang out with dermot more do you remember dermot i do remember dermot uh-huh. uh do we the... know yet who dermot is uh yes no we don't know who he is but we know him his friends yeah um that episode you're thinking of is uh later this episode um yep yeah, they're, they're doing donuts in the doc's car when they hit a dean they think they've killed him, but it's um the Dean that was dug up by D19. See, he's having the voice of Doc in his head. You know, obviously I've mentioned already that he survived being aborted. Yeah. So he's been, like, living in the attic, using the dead Deans to, like, build a skin suit of a perfect Dean so he can replace the alive Dean. Yeah. And the one that they ran over was the last good body left because as we know there's no new ones coming that's it um so while he's plotting to kill real dean uh hank yeah well um hank thinks he murdered dean and is planning to flee to mexico yay um doc and hatred are making fake docs out of explosives and leaving them just around the yard as decoys is the other little side thing. And all while that's going on, the police, like the local police in town, are investigating the place and mistaking the decoys for shaved head jumpsuit wearing cult members. Which, I mean... Without any context, it, they're all dudes with shaved heads wearing matching overalls. So, yeah, I could, I could see it happening. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we know from history that... They're going to Waco this place. Police aren't always the smartest. Maybe they jump the gun a little bit and are often horrible racists with egotistical problems. Unless you're in Canada and then you don't look into things. (laughs) We got a... Every Canadian serial killer, like, shouldn't have got away with it. It's ridiculous. Um, Yeah, um... I can't really afford to pull apart every episode like I did the first one for the sake of time, obviously. But obviously this one has a lot packed into it. It ends with D19 hugging one of the fake docs, thinking it's the real one, and blowing up. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. The following episode is called Return to Malice, and I like it 
for shaping things towards the second half of the show. Like yeah. it, there's a lot of build off of here, if that sort of makes any sense. It was written by Doc Hammer to show the depth of Henchman, or oh, the depth that Henchman 21 has sort of fallen at this point. Yeah. Uh, we see some Henchman. Oh. In- yep, you're right. Okay. We see some henchmen in the cocoon's bar talking, like, remember the old arguments you'd see the henchmen have, like, over stupid, like, geeky topics? Yeah. They're arguing about if Smurfs were mammals or not once. Alright, so do so you remember those old little arguments they yeah. used to have? Um, there's one of those going on. Uh, they're talking about which cryptid would win in a fight between uh, Loch Ness and something called Champ. Mm-hmm. I, I don't honestly know what that one is, frankly. Um, it's the classic dumb debate that henchmen seem to have, but in a dark booth in the corner, uh, 21 emerges, claiming they are both bullshit and Ogre Pogo is a plesiosaur and would beat the, you know, would beat what is essentially a monster's head glued to a log, which is unfortunately what Loch Ness probably is yeah. in those original photos. Um, yeah, he isn't fun anymore and... You know, he's very angry, matter-of-fact about the stuff. Uh, the dudes are talking about how he's gnarly now, how he should technically be henchman number one, uh, but won't change his number, and yeah. he's searching for revenge for 24's death. How does she do? We spoke about that in season three, about who we think did it. Yeah. I'm still correct, I think. <laughs> I've not changed my stance. Um, so Monarch dismisses his wife's concerns about 21 being a little, a little overboard. Um, he's optimized for the cocoon and is doing the best he ever has. So why would Monarch try to do anything about it? But, um, Dr. Misses the Monarch is more talking about how he is talking to 24's dirty broken skull like it's a person all the time. I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, we also see his revenge list, you know, the list of people who could be responsible. He must capture and question them and find the truth. Um, we, the list, I think, is pretty good, the way it, like, sort of peters out at the bottom. We have the Ventures. We have Brock Sampson. We have the Moppets. You remember those, those weird little also evil things? Like the, uh, the OSI. Um, a shape-shifting nightshade. Of course. Uh, suicide. Or my favourite, Happenstance. So, yeah, I, it, I'm surprised Suicide's even on there. Like, he was there. He knows it wasn't. But that's fine. Um, the episode is him kidnapping the boys to question them with... Um, question them with running it through his... Oh, without running it through the villains or the guild. Mm. Like, it's an off-the-record sort of thing. And the rest of the episode is people covering for each other. Like, it's it's well-written. It's it's good, but there's not a lot of crucial information here, I would say. Yeah. Like, you already know Princess how Princess Tiny Feet was a super freak, so that reveals nothing. Yeah. Uh, we get a flashback to 21 leaving the cocoon to return to civilian life after 24 dies. Yeah. Uh, but soon starts training again for vengeance, mostly by carrying a fat kid around the suburbs where his bum lives. I mean, it would work. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to mention here is this episode has has a lot of good one-on-one conversations in it. Yeah. Because everyone's sort of, like, covering up for one another. Um, Monarch and Gary um, start their friendship that will, you know, carry for the rest of the series. Like, you start to see it sprout in a little bit here. Yeah. And you, there's also another good one with Sheila and Rusty. Yeah. Um, because normally he's aggressively flirting with her, you know, after the cocoon episode, sorry, the caterpillar episode. Yeah. But this one, they kind of drop that shit for a minute to admire the high level of shit show their lives have become. Um, yeah, it's a good episode. I, you know, I, I like this whole season. Um, you know, as I said last time we covered the show, like season one is episodic, season two starts to do more, but Season three is world building. Yeah. And season four is people reacting to that world building. Yeah. You know, you've got, um, it, it's, it's done well. You've got, you know, everyone's sort of developing into more than just parody characters, especially here, like Hank, more or less mourning the loss of, of Brock. Yeah. 
Dean really trying to push back against becoming his dad. And the fact that those two, who were just walking jokes for the most part of the series, becoming actually something is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, next episode is sort of a sequel piece. Uh, it's called The Revenge Society. Do you remember The Orb? You know, it's in the episode The Orb. Mm, I think so. It's the one that looks exactly like the app, the the apple from fucking Assassin's Creed 2. Um, I think so. It's about that. As you recall, Phantom Limb's grandfather was part of the group squabbling over that said orb that resulted in the guild and the OSI, like oh, yeah, the, yeah, the schism. Point, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm here. I've got it. So this is the return of Phantom Limb going by the name Revenge. Mm. Um... He infiltrates the guild headquarters and kidnaps two of the council members, uh, Dragoon and Red Mantle. Um, he then does something with their dying bodies. Um, you know, he takes them away. He has also kidnapped Quizboy to keep them alive surgically. Yeah. So Red Mantle wakes up with Dragoon's head attached to him. In that classic two men, one body kind of system. Yeah. Um, these two stick together and appear a lot throughout the series. Um... How do you feel they, about them? The two old dudes. They're just like, always around. Yeah. It's even set up here that they are the oldest living council members. Yeah. So they're... They're the Grumpy Muppets. Yeah, but they're all... Yeah, they're, they're the goofy Grumpy Muppet guys, but they're also kind of like the encyclopedia of the systems. Yeah. In a way. But Doctor... Still Grumpy Muppets. Mm. And then Dr. Z kind of does that a little bit as well, but we haven't met him yet. Yeah. Um... So yeah, Phantom Limb questions them about the history of the guild, and they reveal uh, Phantomus, or Phantoma, uh, the Limb's grandfather, had music aspirations, and it kind of reveals Dragoon and Mantle were the big bopper and body holly after faking their deaths in plane crashes, which is a weird detail I forgot about. Um, yeah, their memories don't reveal the orb's location. However, if you recall, Quizboy, who is still there from the surgery, does know where... Knows that the doc found the orb and where it is now. Yeah. So that's lucky. Um, so the finale of the episode has the guild showing up on the venture compound. Their leader, the sovereign, who is a shapeshifter, going by David Bowie. Yeah. Um, he knows Phantom Limb will be heading there, and he he does this big thing where he claims a venture would be the true heir to the guild. So he has Dean like knight himself mm. as the sovereign without question um so any sort of phantom limb argument being like it's my heritage is kind of like purposely thrown away so um this enrages him you know phantom limb who's clearly still mad with his sidekicks if you remember a shoe a toaster and a mug mm. um he tries to use the orb but we learn that it was broken all along and once again he is um Captured. Yeah. Some diehard fans don't like this episode and the fact that the orb ended up just being a farce. But I, think I that's pretty like yeah, but I don't mind because the fact that the guild formed over shitty semantics that really didn't matter is very fitting for that entire thing. Oh yeah, definitely. It's very on brand. Um, I also like that Phantom Limb at one point in the episode suspects his mug of being David Bowie shapeshifted and kills it yeah so that's a, just a dumb detail i like that one um this is a weird episode because it like a lot of the little details in it build a lot later like it, it all this is one of those ones that gets picked up for details later yeah um the revenge society stuff gets big or maybe it already has i don't think it has yet no i don't think so but yeah, all, all the um, all the guild. That's the thing. This comes, one, this episode doesn't important. become important for a while. No, it it, it sits on it. it yeah. Sits on that little egg. Um, that um might do it for this week. Um, because it's going to be three parts, and we're going to break it up. It won't, it won't, we won't just be marathoning this. I mean, we might be. You won't be. Yeah, you listen to won't be. Um. But um, yeah, that, that's that's the first section. How do you feel about it so far? Um, 
we've had some big heavy hitter episodes. We've had some chilled out ones. We have some, uh, what's the word? Some um, sizzling ones. Like they're, you know, they matter later. They're coming. Mm. Sizzling? No, that might not be the word I'm looking for. Simmering. Mm. Mm, those ones are simmering. That's the one. If, if your episode is sizzling, let us know. Yeah. By rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Yeah, and subscribe so you Send catch... us an email at theschoolforwaywardnerds yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure to catch us coming back as we continue. Uh, we have a Facebook. Yeah, I, I, I know. I think the only person that knows about it is our mother. So we're doing good. <laughs> um, Who yeah. doesn't even listen to our episodes. She just encourages from the sidelines. I don't think she knows how to work a podcast. No, but she's subscribed. Because I subscribed her and she doesn't know how to change that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more Venture Bros. Stay tuned for other things too, though. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I've been your host, Sophie Paula. Thank you, producer Kyle. I'm, as always, am here. Yeah. Except um, for that one time that I wasn't. I, that, that episode probably came out. It's fine. <laughs> I, I explained to me and Chikatilo how to run the podcast, and she was like, please don't make me do that again. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> All right, yep. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Class is dismissed. <laughs>